reason we call it horizontal habits is because of the symbol of the cross. Uh, the symbol of the cross has a vertical axis and a horizontal axis. Vertical axis can certainly represent our vertical habits, our relationship with God, how we read the Bible, how we pray, how we worship. And those things are very important because we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. But then the verse also goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. That represents the horizontal axis, how we treat each other. And so we've been really stressing to you all over the last few weeks how important it is to have relationships with one another. How about this? How to have healthy relationships with one another. You can't be right with God and wrong with your brother and sister. You have to get that right. And so uh, the first sermon we did weeks ago was called Connect with one another. We talked about how we are the body of Christ and how uh, the body of Christ is sort of like our, uh, our bodies, our natural bodies. We have an arm, we have a leg, and although we have different functions, all of us come together and all of us are needed. And then we talked about how we have to love one another. And you know, the Bible says that we will be known by our love toward one another, not by our great music or our great preaching, but by our love one to another. And then we talked about how we have to serve each other, how that is important to bear each other's burden. And by the way, we had a record number of volunteers that signed up a few weeks ago, the most we've ever had in the history of our 11 years. And so we have people who have decided that they don't want to just receive from a church, but they also want to be contributors by serving. And then last week was a very sobering sermon. We talked about how we have to forgive one another. We had people crying and people were broken because in all of our lives, we've either needed forgiveness or we have to ask someone for forgiveness. And so we talked about what does forgiveness mean? Obviously, how can we expect God to forgive us if we don't forgive one another? And so this last one another, by the way, there are about 51 another's in the Bible. And you can't do the Christian life by yourself. It is supposed to be done with one another. So let's jump into the word. But before we do that, let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today and to change us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you that you are God. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. So we thank you for our relationship with you, that you died on the cross for our sins and that we can have a relationship with you. And because of our relationship with you, Lord, we need to have healthy, vibrant relationships with one another. So Father, speak to us today through your 
challenge us, change us, and transform us through your word today. Speak to us, Lord, individually and corporately. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Help me to challenge and to encourage your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody. Yes, the Lord is worthy to be praised. So, y'all, we're going to start off jumping right into the word. One verse that is a powerful verse, an often overlooked verse. It is Romans chapter 15, verse 7. I'm going to be reading it from the NIV translation. You can look at it on your, your devices or your Bibles, or if you want to look on the screen, Romans chapter 15, verse 7. And it simply says this. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. You all, one of the things about these one another's is that as we read these commands of how we should treat one another, the best example that we can use is what Christ did for us. We forgive one another because we've been forgiven. And this verse says that we should accept one another just as Christ accepted us. So I want to speak to you today from the subject, accepting one another in a cancel culture. Accepting one another in a cancel culture. Now, some of you may not be familiar with the term cancel culture. So I'm going to explain that to you just in case you're not familiar with that. The phrase cancel culture refers to the practice of withdrawing support for people, usually public figures, after they have done or said something destructive, distasteful, or morally disagreeable. In other words, you decide because they said something destructive, distasteful, or morally disagreeable, or something that you didn't like, you decide to withdraw your support from them. You cancel them. That's what that's called. An example would be Will Smith during the Oscars when he walked up on the stage and slapped Chris Rock. Kapow! And once we figured out that this thing was really real, we, a lot of people canceled Will Smith. Well, what does that mean? They say, I'm not going to watch his movies anymore. I'm not going to follow him on social media. What he did was so bad. That's called canceling somebody. They make a mistake or they do something that is distasteful. And, and let me say this, sometimes, y'all, maybe they deserve to be canceled. But all of us are human. All of us make mistakes. So Will Smith would be an example. Another example would be my friend Dan Cathy, uh, the CEO of Chick-fil-A years ago, he was on a radio show and he made the statement simply saying that he supported traditional families and marriages. 
which means a husband and a wife. And just that statement got him canceled. People, some people who don't agree with him decided that they weren't going to buy Chick-fil-A sandwiches anymore and that they didn't want Chick-fil-A on their campus or in their city. So they canceled Dan Cathy. Another example would be Colin Kaepernick years ago in protests trying to bring attention to police brutality at that time, at least trying to bring attention to it, he made a decision that he was going to kneel during the national anthem. And a lot of folks didn't like that. They felt like it was not patriotic or that it was an insult, not only to law enforcement, but uh, to people who have uh, served the country. But what he was trying to do is to bring attention to a issue very similar to what Dr. King and many of the civil rights people did to bring attention to a particular issue. So sometimes in order to bring attention, you have to do something that uh, is against the status quo. And he did that and he was canceled. A lot of people didn't want to deal with him anymore. Uh, the National Football League, he still has not been able to get a job because he was Cancel because some people said they just didn't like that. J.K. Rowling, she's the author, a uh, famous author of, uh, of a, lot of, a lot of books, and she made a, a, a statement about transgenderism, and she was canceled. She's the author of all of the Harry Potter books. So we live in a culture, you all, to where if you do something wrong, if you say something wrong, it used to be, even with non-Christians, people used to give you grace. But now, because of social media, now because we live in a world that's so divisive, if you make one little itty-bitty mistake, you get canceled. Everybody from politicians to pastors to actors to athletes to comedians to commentators to artists to activists are being canceled just because of a wrong tweet, a wrong tone, a wrong opinion, a wrong decision, a wrong word, a wrong anything. People will cancel you. In some cases, you all, they will go back and dig up something that you said 20 years ago and use it against you. That's the kind of world that we live in today. So it's very possible, especially if you are a public figure in any kind of way or you are a leader on your job, it is very possible that somebody could find something that you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, and use it against you. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I began to think, well, is there something I need to just go on and tell y'all about before I get canceled? So I thought about when I was eight years old, y'all, I went in a store and I stole a water gun. I just want to let y'all know. 
And I got, and I, I was in a, a department store, and you know, we lived in the hood, man, and it's like, you know, a water gun. I, I, and I know, I knew better. I was about seven or eight years old, and I got this water gun, and I looked around, and I put it in my pants. And then I got in the car, and my mom, you know, t- took me home, and then the next day they saw me shooting a water gun. And they were like, where did you get that water gun from? And I said, well, well, uh, 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 I started stuttering, uh, 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 and, and I finally, I just, I couldn't lie to my parents. I said, I borrowed it from the store. I was going to take it back. I just wanted to play with it just for a week or so. Man, I got the worst whipping I ever got. And then my parents made me go back to the store. They called the manager of the store and made me return the gun and apologize to the manager. It was a huge lesson. Huge lesson. So I just want to tell all y'all right now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But just something like that can come back to haunt you. As Christians... You and I are called to a different standard. We are in the world, but we are not supposed to be of the world. We are not supposed to treat people like everybody else treats people. Because all of us, truth be told, have been canceled before. What do I mean? We've all been unfriended on social media before. How about this? Some of us have been ignored by a family member or friend who didn't like what we did or said, and they just didn't speak to us. Some of us have been ghosted. That that means it's basically another form of somebody ignoring you. Some of us have been dismissed. Some of us have been rejected by people. Some of us have been ostracized. We used to be a part of a particular social group, and we said or did something, and now none of them want to deal with us anymore. So all of us have probably been canceled in some kind of way, or you're just one statement away or one behavior away from being canceled. So our text today, Romans 15, 7, reminds us of the importance of accepting each other as it relates to our faith journey. Why? Because Christ accepted us with all of our mess, with all of our mess. So let's look back at Romans 15, 7, you all. He says, accept one another. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. Romans is an incredible book. It is considered kind of the constitution of the Bible. A lot of the major biblical principles that we abide by as Christians 
can be found in Romans. It's a very strong book. And in Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is dealing with people who are judging each other not accepting each other. These are Christians. So by the way, when I talk about accepting one another, I'm talking about the family of God. The Bible is talking about the family of God, people who follow Jesus. So in Romans chapter 14, they were uh, being divided over a lot of different issues. For instance, uh, food. Uh, these new believers uh, and these experienced believers were having some conflict over uh, food. Uh, who should eat meat? Uh, who should not eat meat? Some of the uh, new believers uh, did not eat meat. And this is right in Romans chapter 14. Some of the experienced believers did eat meat, eat meat, and so they didn't accept one another because one of them thought that their way was right and the other one thought that their way was right, and so they thought each other were wrong. And then they argued a little bit more in Romans chapter 14 about days, which days were more important. So all of this has been going on forever. Christians, brothers and sisters who follow Christ, have been disagreeing and canceling each other for a long time. So let's talk about this. Paul gives us a mandate. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, accept one another. What does accept mean? Let's look at the definition. Accept means to welcome joyfully and kindly, to receive positively. It means to appreciate a person for who they are, to appreciate their uniqueness, even if they are different than you. Wow. There is so much division in our world today. But you may say, but Pastor Lee, what if they are a Democrat and I'm a Republican? Accept them. Well, what if they are conservative and I'm a liberal? Accept them. Well, what if they watch Fox News all the time and I watch CNN all the time? Accept them. Well, what if they are pro-life and I am pro-choice? Accept them. Well, what if they are gay or transgender and I am straight? Accept them. Now, let's talk about what accepting really means. Because it's so easy to erase people out of your life who you don't agree with, who, who don't have the same philosophy or worldview about everything that you have. And so what happens, you all, we end up hanging around people who look like us, vote like us, worship like us, and we get in these, these little cliques or these little groups and we listen to the same kind of news all the time, and then we wonder why is our world so divided. We do that even in the church. So accepting people doesn't mean that you agree with them or their lifestyle choices or their proclivities. Kindness 
to people does not equal complicity. I want to say that again. Kindness does not equal complicity. You can be kind to people, but that doesn't mean that you agree with everything that they do. But just because you don't agree with everything that they do doesn't mean you're supposed to be a jerk. You represent Christ. You can be nice to people. So, accepting means that you don't let your differences divide you. So Paul gives us a mandate, accept one another. And and then look at the verse again. Then he gives us a model. So he says accept one another, and then he wants to give us an example, and the best example is Christ. He says just as Christ accepted you. Y'all, that's so powerful. Because a lot of times, we don't treat people the way Christ treats us. So we don't want to forgive people, but yet we want Christ to forgive us of our sins. But yet we don't want to forgive somebody else when they sin against us. So we don't want to accept people because maybe they don't meet our criteria they don't worship like we do. They don't vote like we do. They, whatever it is, they, their lifestyle is not what we, what we uh, condone. But yet we want Christ to accept us when we do a lot of stuff Christ doesn't condone. When we mess up, when we sin, when we're caught up in all kind of stuff. But yet we want Christ to forgive us and accept us but we don't want to accept other people. Look at Colossians 2.14. It says, he, meaning Christ, canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So Christ canceled our sins, but he didn't cancel us. He didn't say, I don't want anything to do with you because you are a fornicator because you are are an adulterer, because you're hooked on porn. See, see, Christ could have canceled us, but you know what he did? He took our sins and he nailed them to the cross and he gave us a way to be right with him. So why can't we have that same attitude toward people? He nailed our sins to the cross. Y'all remember the woman who was caught in adultery in the Bible? And it says she was caught in the act. If this was today, they would have had, somebody had a mobile phone, literally. Because they didn't say it was hearsay. They said she was caught in the act. And then they brought her to Jesus, and they were going to stone her. First of all, I wonder, why didn't they bring the man? He was just as wrong. That's a whole nother story right there. (laughs) So they brought the woman to Jesus, and they were ready to stone her. And Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. In other words, who do you think you are 
ready to stone somebody based on, I know what you did last week, last month. Then Jesus started writing in the dirt with his finger. We don't know what he was writing. But can I use my sanctified imagination? There were probably some adulterers out there and some people who've done different things. And, and, and maybe um, Joe Smith was out there who had just been with somebody else's wife. So he might have been writing the woman's name down, who he was with the other day. Mm-hmm. They just start writing down their sins. And it says, one by one, they dropped their rocks and they walked away. The older ones walked away first. That's what the text says. Because the older ones had done so much in their life, how dare you want to stone somebody else? So, so y'all, Jesus got criticized because he accepted people. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the chief tax collector who was rich, passing through Jericho. Jesus hung out with him, and they criticized Jesus because he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. But Jesus hung out with him, and Zacchaeus ended up giving his life to the Lord. Jesus says that salvation has come to this house, speaking of Zacchaeus. There are so many other instances, you all. Jesus uh, with, and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't, uh, they didn't interact with each other, but Jesus interacted with this woman, and she ends up becoming a follower of Jesus, taking Jesus back to her Samaritan neighborhood, and all of them, realize that this is the Messiah. You see, when we stop judging people and start accepting people, because that's the love of Jesus. So let's talk about this a little bit more. There's a big difference between Jesus and the cancel culture. The culture cancels people who have done terrible things. Jesus cancels the terrible things. That's a big difference. He cancels our sins and makes us clean. So Paul, back to this verse, he says, accept one another. Our model is Christ. But why would you do this? because it will bring praise to God. That's the way we honor God. So I just want to give you, you all, just a few ways to accept one another in this cancel culture. Just some things I want you to think about. Just some things I want you to evaluate in your own life, especially as it relates to believers, but I'm even gonna go a little step further. I'm gonna say as it relates to everybody, but especially believers, but really everybody. I want to just give you a few things to think about. Ways to accept one another in this cancel culture. The first thing we got to do 
is stop being so judgmental. Okay? I knew it wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens on that one. Stop being so judgmental. My God, we're so critical and we're so judgmental on people. I have some friends who are very popular, some pastor friends and some entertainment friends who I've known, my God, 20, 30 years. Um, Every time they do something controversial or say something, I get calls from people. Other pastors, man, I can't believe your boy said this. I can't believe your boy doing this. And, you know, it's, uh, it's so judgmental. When they don't even know the, the backdrop, they don't know the context, they just automatically judge people. And that's kind of what we've done today. And by the way, politicians know this. That's why they just throw stuff out because they, they know that most people won't do their research. Most people won't take things into context. So we're, we're just headline-oriented people. We're judgmental. Romans 14.10, let's look at it from the New Century Version. It says, so why do you judge your brothers or sisters in Christ? And why do you think you are better than they are? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think they're so much better. We will all stand before God to be judged. Okay? So we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We are not God. We have to be careful about judging people. So let's talk about judging. People erroneously think Check this out, that judging is wrong. It may be, it may not be. The Bible doesn't say that judging is wrong because we can judge sin. We can judge whether something is right or wrong based on God's standards not our preferences or opinions. So what we should not judge is other people's opinions, preferences, and especially their motives. We have to be careful about that. If you have a close friend or family member and you know they're not living by God's standards in a particular area, and if you love them, Should you confront them? Yes, in a loving way. And and you have to do it in such a grace-filled way because if you do it in a judgmental way, then you might be struggling with something one day. Matter of fact, the enemy might jump on you. So you have to be very careful when you confront people about their sin and their ways, but you can do that. Now, if you do judge sin in somebody else's life, here's a principle you must abide by. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Look at this. Very interesting. 
It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. So it sounds like you can't ever judge anybody. So basically, if you, the principle here, well, if you don't judge somebody, then people probably won't judge you. Okay? But then it goes on to say this. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard, say standard. The standard you use in judging, so you can judge. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Isn't it amazing? Some people judge folks by standard and they don't even keep the same standard. Okay, let's look at the rest of it. Then it goes on to say, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? A little bitty speck in their eye. When you have a log in your own, you got a big log in your eye, and you're worried and you're nitpicking somebody else about something that they're doing, and you got this big old sin that you're dealing with. Again, he's talking about judging. Then it goes on to say, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? When you can't see past the log in your own eye. So you're trying to tell somebody else how wrong they are, and you got something bigger to deal with than them that you won't even deal with. So then he goes on to say this, hypocrite. Ooh. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Handle your own business. Get yourself right. Ask for forgiveness. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So you can judge, but you better make sure that your life is right. That you're, that you're not being a hypocrite. All right. I know this is not something that people shout about a whole lot. <laughs> but this is a series on horizontal habits. How we deal with one another. You know what I found out, you all? that most people who are extremely judgmental and critical are hiding something. Now, I didn't, I didn't think that at first. I used to be impressed with people who were critical and a little bit judgmental because I would say, ooh, they love God. They don't take any mess. Only to find out that the longer I live, the more judgmental and critical a lot of people are. I hate to say it, the more sinful they are. I, 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 I've had people that I've known in the past, and I still know them, and, and they've, they've made some huge mistakes. But what was interesting is how harsh they were about other people who made mistakes, only to find out that they were doing something even worse. They had a log in their eye, and they were talking about the speck in everybody else's eye. Be careful if you're around somebody who's always talking about other folks. 
If they're always gossiping about somebody, they're going to be gossiping about you next. If they're always putting somebody else down, they're probably trying to cover up something in their own life. Be very careful. So we have to, when we approach people, we have to have grace, you all. Okay? All right. So stop being so judgmental. Number two, I'm just going to give you three things here, is be kind and compassionate. Be kind and compassionate. I think the best explanation for this one is going to be the scripture. 2 Timothy verse two, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. <laughs> it's easy to be patient with people who aren't difficult, but we have to be patient with difficult people. Then it goes on to say this, you all. Gently, somebody say gently. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Yes, they're going to be people who don't agree with you about sexual identity, about abortion, about politics, about a whole lot of things, but it says gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And by the way, it's not your truth. We're not talking about your truth. Like people say, this is just my truth. We don't care about your truth, okay? Or my truth for that matter. It's about God's truth. So then he goes on to say, perhaps God will change those people's hearts by you being gent gentle. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Can I say it another way? Sometimes being a jerk about stuff runs people away from God. There are more times in the Bible that Jesus was kind and compassionate to sinners than he, he very rarely condemned sinners. Now, I'll tell you who he did condemn. Church folks, religious folks, hypocrites. He was harsher on the Pharisees than he was on people who messed up. But he was kind and compassionate. By the way, that's one of the reasons why sinners loved him. And their lives ended up being transformed because of Jesus' attitude toward them. How is your attitude toward sinners? Can I say this? Do you even hang around sinners anymore? Or have you become so isolated in your Christian life? When is the last time you've had some people who don't believe like you? to your house or out to lunch or, or just had a conversation with some neighbors. I mean, I mean in, in my neighborhood, there are some same-sex couples and, and, and they walk down the street, you know, maybe the two women or the two men and, and they're holding hands. And, and, and so I come over and I talk to them and they know I'm a pastor and we talk about 
things that are going on in the world. And about a few months ago, uh, my wife and I decided that we were going to invite some of our neighbors to our house, some of the neighbors that we would normally hang out with. And we invited one of those couples. And, 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 and we, we wanted to just show them that, that we cared about them and that we love them. No, we may not see eye to eye on a lot of things, but you can still be kind and compassionate. You can still show the love of Jesus to people. You can do that. So make sure you're not in your Christian bubble all the time. But I got to say this last one, y'all. The final way to accept one another in a cancel culture, this is what might happen when you stop judging people so harshly, when you are kind and considerate, this is what might happen. Number three, be prepared to be persecuted. Because everybody is not going to like your stance on certain things once they get to know you. And so in this world that we live in, to stand for righteousness might mean that you will be persecuted. To stand up for the principles in the Bible might mean that you will be persecuted. And we have to be ready for that. Let me land this plane. Last verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what I'm saying is, yes, we need to accept one another. But some of those people that you accept and that you love, they're going to attack you. They're going to tell you that you're crazy. They're going to tell you that you're old-fashioned. They're going to they're argue with your theology, with your traditional beliefs in certain areas. Everybody is not going to like it. And they're going to try to make you feel like you are the weird, crazy person. So even though I'm telling you to be kind and compassionate and considerate, at the same time, you got to know that those who live godly will, not might, but will be persecuted. So if you're single... And you're saying, I'm going to wait, even though I'm good and grown, wait until I get married. I'm not going to be sleeping around with everybody. What the world says is you must be crazy. But you're not. So here's how I want to end this, you all. You got to remember that Jesus came to earth not to bring peace, but a sword. Sometimes the word of God and living for God will divide relationships. You may get canceled based on your beliefs, but you shouldn't be canceling other people. So I would like for everyone to stand, please. Those of you online, I just want to close with a word of prayer. I know this is an interesting sermon because I'm saying that we should have the love of Jesus, but I'm also saying that you gotta be ready to be attacked. Now that's assuming that you stand for something. 
That's assuming that you stand for something. Let's pray. Father, we come to you asking you to use us as salt and light to the earth. Lord, we don't want to have the attitude of a hypocrite or the Pharisees who are always judging people. We want to have the heart of Christ. So help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to step out of our comfort zone and talk and get to know people who are not like us. Father, we pray that the love of Jesus will draw them to us and that they will see the love of Christ in us. But Lord, I also pray for boldness right now, for us to stand up for what we believe. So Father, right now, we thank you for nailing our sins to the cross, for not canceling us, but accepting us. In all of our mess, in all of our sin, you still loved us. So with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you have never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to let you know that there's nothing that you could ever do that would allow Jesus to cancel you. But you have an opportunity right now to give your life to Jesus. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you're saying, Pastor Lee, I want to rededicate or dedicate my life to Christ right now. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I want you to just raise your hand high and I want to have a word of prayer with you publicly. I want to have a word of prayer. If you're out there right now and you're saying, Pastor Lee, I want to give my heart to Jesus or rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? People aren't looking around. We just, we'll see your hand. We'll see your hand. I see a hand back there. Okay, I see a hand. Okay, all right, you can put your hands down. Let's pray. I would like for everyone to pray with me as we close, even those of you online. If you're online and you want to rededicate your life or give your heart to Jesus, just put it in the chat and we'll get in touch with you. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You said if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that I will be saved. Save me right now. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen.